I'm Michael Ashcroft, the founder of Lord Ashcroft Polls, and this is the Ashcroft in America podcast. I'm joined by James Pindell, reporter at the Boston Globe and something of a guru on the politics of New England and particularly New Hampshire, where I'll be listening to voters this week. And James, thanks very much for speaking to me. Obviously, the main reason New Hampshire is so interesting politically is that its early primaries have a big influence on who the parties end up picking as their presidential candidates. And to start with, the Republicans. Donald Trump won his primary here last time around, but with only 35% of the vote, which was spread between six candidates. Do you think the GOP in the state has now united around the president, or are still some doubtful about him? New Hampshire may be an outlier from the rest of the country because there have been significant concerns about President Trump, largely his attitude. Um, But while he handily won the New Hampshire primary uh, in the last presidential election, uh, he won by 20 points, for example, uh, he still had only about 36 percent or so of the vote. Most people did not vote for him. They voted for one of the other candidates. And then he struggled to and he lost the uh, the state in the general election to Hillary Clinton. The question is not, will Donald Trump be primaried? Uh, well, I have a primary challenger from the Republican side. He probably will. The question is, will it even be credible? Right now, most odds, the conventional wisdom is that he probably will be challenged by somebody and he will probably easily defeat them and still be the Republican nominee. Some polls have found lower approval for President Trump among New Hampshire Republicans than the Republicans nationwide. Why do you think that is? Yeah, like I said, you know, New Hampshire may be a bit of an outlier here. His brand of politics doesn't exactly jive with the New England sort of Republican, which is to be sort of fiscally conservative, socially liberal, uh, and understated. <laughs> right. and, and he is certainly not understated among all of those other things. And people question uh, where he's at really on, on issues. I mean, Donald Trump represented obviously a lot of things, a, a disruption of the system. He represented the, the party base. Uh, New England, particularly New Hampshire type of Republicans, tend to go for more of the moderate style Republican. And that is certainly what he did not represent. Now, when it comes to the Democrats, the big question is what direction they're going to take over the next couple of years. And in my most recent poll, I found most registered Democrats thinking it was more important to enthuse the base and turn out non-voters than to try and win over Republicans. Do you get the impression that Democrats in New Hampshire have the appetite to try and win over people who perhaps reluctantly voted for Trump last time, or are they yearning to go in a more liberal direction? Yeah, two ways of answering that. First of all, I'm not sure we're going to be able to draw any major conclusions during the next presidential race on the very question you're asking, at least as it relates to the early states like Iowa and New Hampshire and South Carolina. And the reason you can't draw many conclusions is that we may have the largest field of presidential candidates ever running. We could have, honestly, 25 candidates running, probably 20 candidates running, though. And so when you have that sort of mix of that many people running, let's say, for example, uh, what is likely to happen is you could have 13 of them be strong progressives, big liberals from the base. What does that mean for the other seven? The other seven who are more moderate may have a bigger chunk of the vote, and it may 
look one way or the other. But to actually get to the heart of your question, where is, what, what early clues are we seeing within Democrats? I absolutely agree with you that in 2017 and through pretty much at this point in 2018, Democrats have been looking to the left. They have been looking to be more liberal and to go towards the base. But you are sensing that a conversation is shifting and electability is starting to be a bigger issue. Uh, in Massachusetts, for example, they have a couple of potential presidential candidates. The Boston Globe, we did a poll the last two weeks uh, about that, and it found that even among Massachusetts voters, uh, they preferred someone like Deval Patrick, the former governor here, than their own Elizabeth Warren. And you don't have to get into the nitty gritty of who these candidates are, but one is Deval Patrick is speaking about unity, trying to be the next Barack Obama and all working together, red states and blue states. Meanwhile, Elizabeth Warren, obviously much more well-known as the person from the base. And the reason why they preferred him over her is people would say, I love Elizabeth Warren so much. I'm just not sure she can win. She might be too liberal. And in, this, in, these, in these liberals were saying, with, when it comes to Donald Trump, I'm not going to take any chances. I, he has to be defeated. And so if it means you know, picking more of a moderate candidate, I'm going there. And that's sort of a growing sense that I'm hearing in New Hampshire and a number of states where people are be just beginning to look to electability. So I think we may be seeing a shift occurring in, say, the next six months. Also, James, my survey found relatively few Democrats thinking the party needed to change its ideas to win over new voters. Most thought they just needed to communicate better or were already on course to win. Do you think the Democrats are in danger of being complacent both in these midterms and in 2020? Yeah, it's really hard. It's a really hard question to answer. I mean, on the one hand, Democrats have been changing, uh, changing a lot. Uh, just take two really simple questions. One, uh, you know, the United States still does not have a single-payer health care system uh, like they do, obviously, in the UK. That has been a very controversial idea and something that really hasn't had that much support ever. And, and now it's being supported, according to a very conservative survey, by over 70% of the American people. The politics has been shifting. And that's something the Democrats are no longer talking about even our own version of Obamacare, they call it, or the Affordable Care Act, or health care reform that was so controversial. Uh, we're now actually talking about single payer. That shift, that debate has shifted. The second question is this, the number of Democrats who say that they're socialists. I mean, the party has definitely moved left in, when it comes, in terms of policy. So I'm sure when you ask them the question, or do, you, do, you, uh, do, you, do, you, do you think the party needs to change? They may see that reflected as a value question and not necessarily as a, you know, where we need to come out particularly on specific policies. But um, right now, Democrats are very unified. Republicans are becoming more unified. This is a very partisan time, so they're certainly not going to concede anything to the other party. Now, although both New Hampshire senators and both its members of the House are Democrats, um, if I recall, Donald Trump only lost the state by less than half a percentage point, and the Republican governor seems popular. What are the different dynamics, uh, James, at work in those different races? In the state house, uh, both chambers there are all Republican-led. Um, you know, New Hampshire is a swing state. It's a very complicated state. If we talk about national issues, particularly social issues, I mean, New Hampshire, uh, the, the, obviously one of the big topics here is gay marriage and the lingering feelings on that, as well as on abortion. New Hampshire is very socially moderate to liberal on that. Um, so where it's going to have a national impact, those candidates definitely benefit. But on the local level, 
the conversation's really about taxes. Uh, New Hampshire is unique because it doesn't have uh, an income tax or any sort of sales tax. So it just relies on property taxes, which are very high, the highest in the nation. But that has served to have the smallest uh, state government uh, in the country. And so when Republicans can talk about taxes and spending, they generally win on the local level. When the conversation's about anything else, if it's about war or if it's about social policy, then Democrats tend to do well. I mentioned uh, earlier that Governor Sununu seems popular, but there was a huge Democrat turnout in the primary that selected his opponent, Molly Kelly. Do you think the governor could be in for a shock next month? You know, this race has been listed as a lean Republican in terms of it's a toss-up, is it lean Republican? Then there are two other categories, likely Republican or safe Republican. And I absolutely agree that it is just barely leaning to Republicans. He looks good on paper in terms of his job approval rating. I totally accept the premise. But underneath it, he is extremely vulnerable. Uh, Democrats are organized. They are enthused. The Republican Party really has no parity just in terms of structure, uh, staff, money, (laughs) ability to get out the vote uh, than the Democrats do. I think the Democrats, for example, in the state have something like 200 staffers. The Republicans have about 10. Uh, just to give you some sense of where that's at. This is with an incumbent Republican governor. Um, and when people say, do they like the governor? Yeah, they like him, but would they vote for him? Well, that number's always been well below 50%. So his Democratic opponent is not exactly the greatest candidate ever, but she was able to, to win pretty handily her primary, I think, if we're going to be perfectly honest, because she was a woman. It's a year of a woman, and she ran against a man. And I don't mean to be flippant about that, but literally... Every polling place you went to, these candidates were not known because uh, neither neither her nor her opponent were that great uh, getting their name out there. And so people would literally walk out saying, well, I voted for the woman. I didn't know what to do. And polls reflected that. So in that sense, if it's a year of the woman and Democrats are enthused, Chris Sununu, um, the Republican governor, may have um, may have some problems here. Uh, polls show him just you know barely, barely winning right now, even though he remains very popular. And finally, James, going out on a limb and looking at the country as a whole, what kind of results do you think we'll be seeing on the 6th of November? Well, you know, this has been a very interesting moment. Uh, Clearly, a couple weeks ago, you would say this is a giant blue wave going everywhere because these midterm elections are really about inspire your base to turn out because there's very low turnout. uh, On both sides and Democrats were very excited to come out and Republicans were not. But one thing that has happened during these, uh, the, the national conversation over a Supreme Court nomination of Brett Kavanaugh is that Republicans have been getting more enthused. So the picture about what's going to happen in just one month from now is getting extremely more complicated. It looks like Democrats could obviously take the House, but the Senate is certainly uh, a, a really hard, hard to tell. And you may actually say that Republicans may keep it because of the politics of the last couple of weeks. But Every day in America since Donald Trump has been president has been a year in terms of the amount of news that's happened. So what America could look like in a month from now could be entirely different than it will affect today. James Pindell of the Boston Globe. Thanks. I'm delighted to be speaking to Christine Todd Whitman, who was the governor of New Jersey for seven years until 2001, when she went on to run the Environmental Protection Agency under President Bush. Christine, thank you very much indeed for joining me. My pleasure to be with you. 
Now, New Jersey looks quite evenly divided politically, though it hasn't voted Republican in a presidential election since 1988. Five of its 12 members of Congress are Republicans, and the governorship has alternated between the parties. In fact, both your own election victories were something of a knife edge. What is it like to govern a state that is so split down the middle? Well, the nice thing about being a governor is you've got to deliver for everybody. And while you have a legislature, I, I had a Republican legislature, though, but I did a lot of work with the Democrats. You've got to get things done. Um, you can't just opine about issues. You have to actually deliver on services. And so that makes a difference. And it tends not to be as bitterly partisan as you get in the legislative branches. Now, obviously, New Jersey voted for Hillary overall, but Trump won some 80 percent of the vote in the Republican primary. I'm sure you won't mind me saying that New Jersey people have a famously blunt or direct way of expressing themselves. And do you think there is a kind of affinity here for the way the president goes about things? Well, there's, there are portions of the state that are very supportive of the president and still are supportive, but that's not the majority by any stretch of the imagination. And unfortunately, the turnout in the primary was not as great as it should have been. So even though he won overwhelmingly amongst the Republicans, uh, he was, it was still a, a minority, a small percentage of the overall registered Republican voter base. Now, you endorsed John Kasich in the Republican primaries in 2016, and you've been very critical of President Trump, even calling on him to stand down after his meeting with Putin earlier this year. Do you think he will, in fact, complete his term or indeed two terms? And how do you see the rest of his presidency playing out? I think he'll definitely finish out this term. I don't see any prospect of uh, impeachment or anything like that actually making it happen. That only makes him dig in more. Um, and I believe he will run again. I think he enjoys what he's doing. Uh, he may not like the criticism, but he seems to be able to beat it back. What I worry about is the damage, the long-term damage that this approach to politics is doing to the country overall and to some of our basic democratic principles freedom of the press, independence of the judiciary. Uh, those things are critical to the public's trust in government, and they're being undermined every day by this administration. And that, to me, is the long-term damage that, I, uh, that concerns me the most. And I mentioned earlier that New Jersey has five Republican congressmen, but three of those seats are among the Democrats' top targets in the midterm elections next month. Without asking you to make firm predictions, what are the dynamics of those races, and how do you see them going? Well, I think one will definitely switch. One Republican seat will be lost. The other two are, are very much invited. One, I think, is going to is fine. There's really just one that I think that is uh, really problematic. But the other two, one will switch and one will stay Republican. And are the Republican candidates here trying to distance themselves from President Trump or align with him to turn out the base? Or are they trying not to mention him at all? Well, the ones that are in the most contested districts are trying to distance themselves by not mentioning. And then when they have to mention, saying they have nothing to do, I mean, pointing out, not that they have nothing to do, but pointing out where they have differed from him, where they have taken votes that were not in line with the, uh, with the administration. This is a general election. This isn't the primary. They, well, their base is that they want to keep them coming. They want them to come to the polls as opposed to sitting home and letting a Democrat win. They also need to get the centrists who make up the majority of the, of the population and, and, those, and the voter, voters in those districts. And so they've got to be a little cautious. 
You yourself are well known as a moderate Republican, and is that a lonely place to be at the moment? And do you see any kind of resurgence of a more traditional or mainstream approach within the Republican Party in the foreseeable future? Well, it's not lonely based on the number of people who come up to me and say they used to be Republicans, and now they would like to come back, but we've got to do something. So I know they're there. And uh, as far as elected representatives, it's getting harder. The good news for us is there is a within the Congress, a group called the Problem Solvers Caucus. It's made up of an equal number of Republicans and Democrats. And this is a group of people who say, look, we want to get policy done for the American people. And right now it's at 48, 24 Republicans, 24 Democrats, which may not sound like many, but whatever happens in this cycle, I don't believe either party will have a large plurality. They're going to have to deal with a group like this because one of the things that they sign on to as a problem solver is if they can 75% of them agree on a position, they will vote as a block. And that block becomes very important when you're having to, to search around the edges to get any piece of legislation through. There are not as many members in the Senate, but the Senate does not break quite the same way. And I think there's more opportunity to bring more centrist people uh, to the table in the Senate as well. If the Republicans do continue on their current path under President Trump and the Democrats move further to the left, where does that leave voters in the middle, Christine? Searching for a home. And uh, I think it's going to eventually, if, if something doesn't change, it is eventually going to get us to a point where you'll have a third party or you'll have an effort, as when I was involved with uh, eight years ago, to elect a bipartisan ticket member of one party is the presidential nominee, a member of the other party is the vice presidential nominee. Well, Christine Todd Whitman, former governor of New Jersey, it's been a real pleasure. Thank you very much indeed for speaking. My pleasure to talk to you.